Hello, I'm Paul Moffat. I'm Jan Moffat. And this is Clockworks, a Legion podcast. Uh, by the way, did you know that my favorite composer is J.S. Bachworks? What? Clock, it's actually Dvorak. I'm sorry. Paul. Yes? Do we need to stop with the puns this season? Because <laughs> you're really scraping the bottom of the barrel. So we're talking this week. <laughs> That's the top of my barrel, I'll have you know. Uh-huh. So we're talking this week about Legion Chapter 13, which is the fifth episode of the second season. This episode we are going to call Don't Come Around Here No More. It was directed by Tim Meelance and written by Noah Hawley and Nathaniel Halpern. Noah Hawley and Nathaniel Halpern have written every episode this season together. Tim Meelance directed the first episode of this season, uh, as well as one episode last season. So, we begin with, apparently, on Legion, and a recap of Lenny's moments, both outside and inside David's head. Then the episode proper starts with Clark entering a very confusing room where Lenny sits at a table. He uses a, devi a device on her hand and then shows her cards and interrogates her. Lenny claims she was a hostage, but Clark is skeptical. Lenny tells a story of how her grandmother got her drunk at nine and begs to be let go, but he leaves her there. Oliver drives a convertible in the desert with Farouk as his passenger. Farouk talks about the beauty of his plan. Later, Oliver digs up a coffin and they open it. An arm is seen, and Farouk takes a piece of skin and puts it into the, de the device that they've stolen from Division 3. So the beginning of Apparently on Legion was, like, crazy. We have never before had uh, previously on Legion, anything like that. Um, we, you and I, have never watched it on actual television. Yeah. So potentially people who watch it on the actual FX network, let us know if there's ever been a previously on Legion before. But the way we watched it on iTunes, definitely not. That's not a thing that we've ever seen. And like, so even a previously, I can kind of see where even if they've never done a previously, like we need to know some stuff to understand this episode. Although we always need to know stuff to understand an episode of Legion and they haven't led us through before. But then, yeah, they're not big with the hand-holding in no, this show. No, they really aren't. And then, he, quite aside from that as a weirdness, is like, what is up with, instead of previously on Legion, it's apparently on Legion? Well, I feel like this, leading from the last episode into this episode, you see Lenny at the very end of the episode and you go, well, how is she a body how is this possible that she is physically there and so to have the next one begin apparently on legion like apparently lenny was in his head but was he really like it really is the audience how the audience feels is like well apparently we saw all this but what's going to happen next yeah apparently she was dead but apparently she's back uh and it's a bit of a thing through the whole series frankly the that apparently is like one of these moments of breaking the fourth wall a bit and being like hey look 
we're showing you what we're showing you. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I guess this is the show. <laughs> Very much this, so. Man. I also, I didn't notice last week, uh, and I can't believe I didn't, but I noticed it this time because they had the recap, which was when Lenny is first being brought in, her shirt, her shirt is like a triangle shirt with like the, this time with like a green outer thing and a red and yellow inner thing. And it's like uh, David's shirts from all the, all the previous season, except it's different and it's got a green outer yeah and it looks i also didn't notice this until this episode but it looks like david's circle i mean uh square peg in a square hole in a round peg or whatever shirt Mm -hmm. but with a triangle and it's like an mc escher triangle where it is you know wrote it's turning but the sides don't match up you know yeah but what it means i mean if I'm going to interpret what it means, like I interpreted all of David's other shirts, mm-hmm. we know from the end of this episode that the body she's in is Amy's. Amy is always represented by green. Yep. And so her outermost layer is green. And mm. then inside that is red to represent Lenny and yellow to represent the Shadow King. Where red and yellow both represent the Shadow King. Mm-hmm. So it's just like that shirt is telling you everything you need to know from that very moment, which is insane. Well, the triangle has been, uh, the triangle imagery throughout the first season and partly in this season too, has been imagery that represents the shadow King. Yeah, absolutely. So she's wearing a triangle shirt. Yep. So that's a lot on like the first three seconds. Yeah. But let's get into this room. We've talked throughout this season. This is a motif that we're leaning on even more heavily this season than we did last season of just like the most literal meaning of disorienting. Mm -hmm. Like we don't know which way we're oriented, which way is up in this room. And we could, I mean, the first thing to think about in this room, I think is the effect that it has, the, the camera work has on us as viewers. Yeah. That we see this thing that we presume is up and then the camera flips around. And this is actually the ceiling of a room and, we were looking at it, thinking it was the floor, and then the camera flips again because no, wait, you were right the first time. The entire room is upside down, and it just is the two flips. <laughs> yep, exactly. It really messes with your brain. Yeah. When that door opens and the and the way Clark is standing, you're like, "What?" Because <laughs> the words are upside down on the wall. Yeah. To way he, the way he's oriented, and then another thing is that the lights on the door, we have these green and red lights. Mm-hmm. And when the door opens, the light flashes to red. And when it closes, it's flashing to green. And it's the opposite of what you might think, where green is go and red is stop. Red is go and green is stop in this. And it's exactly like what we saw a couple of episodes ago, where a boy has been taught that red is go and green is stop. Red for the door is open, you can go through it. Yeah. Green for the door is closed. Stop. Don't try to walk through this door. It's exactly. green, which means locked and closed and stop. Yeah. So yeah. that's a very odd uh, coincidence. And the something. people, and then we have the, uh, sorry, I talked over you, the word coincidence, which I shouldn't talk over because that's an important word in this mm-hmm. episode. I use it importantly. <laughs> <laughs> 
I was just going to say, and then even before anyone starts talking, we have Clark and someone sitting at a table, and it's exactly like the red table that Clark first interrogated David at, except that it's not red. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's kind of like bluey-green. Mm-hmm. The chairs are red. The chairs are red. It makes me want to look back and what color were the chairs when David was being interrogated. They not red. They were white. They were white for sure? Yep. I'm close to sure. Anyway, it's like, it's a clearly a callback, uh, but all the colors are wrong. Well, and this is clearly like, this is Clark's role. He is the interrogator. Yep. He talks to the people. This is very much Clark back in his role of that. We have the voiceover telling us another unexpl- another uh, new symptom, unexplained malaise. So that's a thing. I don't know what to make of that, but isn't it pronounced malaise? Malaise. Yeah. yeah, I have a hard time, honestly, with words that are taken recently out of French because. Malaise uh, is how you'd pronounce it if it was French. Okay. And I just trip over it when I say it. Can't just, My brain can't decide whether I should pronounce it in French or English until the last minute. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Anyway, yeah. That's another, yeah, get another symptom. And they say, if you see something, say something. Yep. Which is another, yeah. It's very militaristic. Yeah. Very conspiracy-ish. Yeah. So this device that he uses on Lenny's arm. Wait. Oh, do you want? You have something else to say? I have like so much to say about the interrogation part. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what I mean. Oh, sorry. Clark uses. I thought you were talking already. I thought you were jumping all the way to the device that. Uh, oh no 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 no! The no. Shadow King uses on Lenny's corpse. Well, see, this is the thing. Okay. So Clark, what were you going to say? Clark uses this little device on Lenny's like hand. And then later on, uh, we get the Shadow King taking this piece of skin off of the arm. You're right. But like the device that Clark uses, I just immediately assumed with no confirmation whatsoever that like this is testing her DNA. Yeah, me too. But that's never said and they never... Throughout the episode, we never get any confirmation of what DNA that would be, but I assume that that would be Amy's DNA. Yeah, because if by the end of the episode we know that this is Amy's body and we know that her eye color is still Amy's eye color, so that is a sign to me that what Farouk's, what the device stolen from Division 3 does is changes the appearance, mm-hmm. but not the substance. Yeah. Right? And the eye color is like a shorthand for that, for the audience. Yeah. And the consciousness, Farouk did that. Yeah. Farouk put the consciousness in. Exactly. Not the device. But we're jumping way ahead there. We are. I didn't notice, uh, and it's a good call, that Clark pricking her finger with the device is like Farouk with the device. And I didn't notice that. At all. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of echoes throughout this episode, both of previous episodes and within the episode. Yeah, absolutely. And Clark asks Lenny for her name. And Lenny reveals her real name is not Lenny, it's Lenore, mm-hmm. which is fun. Lenore, uh, I don't know how much to read into the choice of name, uh, 
ever. I don't know ever how to much to read into anything in this show. I yeah. always want to read everything into it and also nothing. Yep. <laughs> uh, and that's why it is so surreal. But Lenore is the object of affection in Edgar Allan Poe's poetry, a few of Edgar Allan Poe's poems, most notably in The Raven. Mm-hmm. The Raven is all about my dead Lenore, who's going to come back and she's not going to come back. And so Lenore, the the rave, the narrator of Poe's poem, uh, is weeping for his dead Lenore and wishing, can she ever come back? Does she does she exist on some long forgot, uh, forgotten shore? Quote the Raven, nevermore. The Raven is telling the narrator that his dead Lenore will never return to him and he will never see her again. Mm. And we have Lenny. Her name is Lenore. And she has come back and we are seeing her again. Interesting. I did not think of that at all. But definitely Lenore is, yeah, evocative of the Raven. For sure. Mm-hmm. And it could be just like, what other, what else could Lenny be short for? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to be a female name. But it also could be that maybe they were thinking of this payoff all along. Who knows? Who even knows? Lenny mentions... Uh, the clock on her grandmother's wall that was all fives yeah. and it's clo- it's kind of clockworks again mm. clockworks get me- gets mentioned a few times in this and there's mm-hmm. a few moments of really obvious clocks on walls and do you feel when they mention clockworks like they're calling us out specifically a little bit i think it's a shout out to us <laughs> hey remember clockworks yeah the podcast that everyone should listen to <laughs> <laughs> Conspiracy and coincidence. I don't know. And then Clark shows her a blank card that she sees as a blank card. And then he shows her another card that has him like reflected infinity, him as she currently sees him holding a card. Yeah, well, it's him holding a card of him holding a card. It's not actually infinity. Did you stop and look? I did pause and look at it. The him who's on the card has his arms folded. He's not actually holding. And then there's a little card in the corner of him with his arms folded. So he's not actually holding the card in the card. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay but what anyway, is, it's basically infinity. You're right. What is up with these cards? Yeah. Well, like this is what I felt like watching. It was another, as, I, as I'm just going to keep saying every episode, this invitation to madness is, He holds up the card. It's blank. We, the audience, see that it's blank. We're entirely with Lenny on like, what's on the card? It's blank. Yep. But is it actually? Is there something like, are both cards the same? What is it? It's all about, you know, we're seeing what Lenny is seeing in this situation. So our experience is Lenny's experience. Yep. Yep. And we get no sense from Clark as to if that's actually what's on the card or not. Yeah. Yeah. And Clark just gives nothing. Like, it's blank. Okay. And he makes a little note. I'm like, was that the wrong answer? Was that the right answer? Is it actually blank? What do you, like, this is such a mind trip. Uh, he's playing with her. These are such mind games. Yes, absolutely. And it makes me wonder if in world is what Clark is doing a test or is it a mind game? Mm-hmm. Is he messing with her to destabilize her for inter- like, cause that's a, there's an interrogation goal in like having her off balance and whatever. 
Or is he trying to figure something out about her psychic whatever? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. At all. Yeah. She asks what is going on with the upside down cell. And we talked about it already, but just like when she asks about it, it brings back up. Is it up? Is it upside down? Are they messing with gravity or did they just glue things to the ceiling? And the, that leads back again to the same exact question of the cards. Like is what's going on here purely just unsettling Lenny to mess with her mind so that she's susceptible to interrogation or is there something supernatural happening? I yep. don't know. I don't know either. And we end the episode still not knowing. Yep. Yep. And she continues to be through this whole scene. Clark doesn't trust her and is right not to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she continues through the whole scene to be fixated on David. And again, the what is going on and what's the reason for that? Is she fixated on David? I have to speak to David. I have to speak to David. I just want to speak to David. Is that because... I don't know any of you people and he's my friend and I haven't seen him and I want to see him. Or is it because I've been sent here on a covert mission from the shadow King and he's implanted in my mind that I have to speak to David now. Mm-hmm. It's just not clear. It's not clear. It's and kind she, of both. She later says like, can't it be both? Yeah. But at this point it's like, why is she insisting on speaking to David? Mm-hmm. It's at the same time completely natural that she would and also super suspicious. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So in my continued quest of finding where this takes place in time, mm -hmm. I think I officially give up. <laughs> I keep saying that, but I think I do officially give up because it does take place in present day and it's just deal with it because Lenny talks about her father and the internet yeah. And that's just like, okay, fine, whatever. It takes place in present day. We're just going to skate past the fact that it looks like the 60s. It takes place in present day and some of them have strange senses of style. Yeah. That's really all, the only thing that destabilizes the fact that it's set in present day is like the fashion. No, that's not true. No. There's like rotary dial telephones oh, yeah. on the wall. Tech, well, yeah. And... That. It's true. Things like that. <laughs> the fashion just, and technology and cars. Yeah, exactly. It's a mashup of everything and I'm just gonna get over it. I'm over it now. You hear that, people? I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then Lenny ends her conversation with Clark by saying, I'm not a bad person. I'm not a villain, mm -hmm. which is exactly what the Shadow King, I'm not a villain, is exactly what the Shadow King said to David Yep. in whatever episode, two episodes ago. So just like, once again, that's exactly uh, in character and believable, plausible thing for her to really say. It would make so much sense for her to be like, I'm not a bad person. I'm not a villain. Mm -hmm. But it's also super suspicious. Yep. Oh, man. That she's just another vehicle for the Shadow King. So then we go into Oliver driving down the road. And here is our biggest clue that this is happening previously, which is that Lenny lies down. She looks up at what is kind of a window that is the floor that is who knows what. 
and it's become the desert that mm-hmm. Lenny and Farouk are driving on. And so it's Oliver like and her, Farouk. Oliver and Farouk, sorry. Oliver and Farouk are driving on. And so this is her memory. Yeah. Because if she, if that was, if she wasn't in her body yet at that point, she was there for that ride. Yep. She was in her drawer, so to speak. Yeah. And this is our first hint at, because it's, she's watching it. She's remembering it. And also, this is where the title card is. Mm-hmm. This is the true beginning of this episode. There's where things start because it comes before what we've already seen. Mm-hmm. Hmm. If you just pay attention, you know all this stuff beforehand. I know. Of well, course, I'm, it doesn't fall into place until you actually watch the whole episode. Speaking of if you pay attention, you know. Like, they're talking about what's the body going to be like. Is it going to be rotten and whatever? And Farouk is like, there'll be bugs. There'll be... But we know from the monk that Farouk's body didn't decay. Mm-hmm. So it couldn't be burned point, and things. Couldn't be burned, couldn't be destroyed. So at this point, if you've been paying attention, you know that the body they're talking about is not Farouk's body. Mm-hmm. Because Farouk's body won't be rotten and with with bugs. Yeah. All this to say, our first time watching this episode, it wasn't like we caught on to these things. No. Even us who pick apart these episodes every time don't notice this on the first watching at all. I, I will say... I raised an eyebrow at the rotten body mm. the first time. Okay. Yeah, there you go. But I, like, I didn't say, ah, so it must be Lenny's body. Oh, like, yeah, for sure. That didn't come to my mind. No. But I did raise my, my, the conclusion I, or the theory I had while I was watching it was not that it isn't Farouk's body. Mm-hmm. But I did, like, huh, I thought his body wasn't supposed to rot. And it wasn't really buried either. Yeah. Like it was kind of lowered and then covered with tiles in the monk's place. It didn't seem didn't seem like it was six feet under, where then we see Oliver really digging up this thing. But then using this rope to pull yep. it up that was very reminiscent of the rope that the monks had. Yep. And even after watching the episode several times, I did not pay attention, I did not think to pay attention until right now. To what exactly the coffin was like, but it's not like the we don't white see egg. it. Oh, we, we don't, don't see, see it, at, it all? at all. It's from the perspective of the coffin. Hmm, the camera good. is entirely in the coffin. Good we work, see it. Nathaniel help. Uh, Tim Melins. I mean, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then we just see the ed- the very edge and an oh. arm. Before we get to that uh, digging up. Oliver and Farouk have a conversation about what's going to happen. And Oliver's like, I just don't want gunk on my new suit, man. Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, And Farouk says, when you get to my age, you realize it's not about the thing done. It's about the beauty of the plan. Mm -hmm. That in some ways seems like uh, Noah Hawley's mission statement about the show. Oh, that's so true. Like, this is one of the things that he said in interviews before the show even began, that, like, he, his quote that you've probably seen if you are interested, like we are in behind-the-scenes things and have watched any interviews with him, the quote of, of his that comes up all the time is, I don't need you to understand it, I just need you to experience it. Yet here we are, picking it all apart. Well, we're experienced. This is part of what it means to experience it. Mm, for true. me. Same. If you're a person who likes to experience things... uh 
by examining them and analyzing them. That's part of the experience. Like both of us, and presumably if you're listening to our podcast, that's you also. But so it's not about the thing done, it's about the beauty of the plan is like, the destination, sure, but where, how we get there and the journey is what really matters on this show. And then he says, like, when you get the, we don't worship God for math, we worship God for poetry, for beauty, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And when the sun rise, we uh, worship him for the sunrise. And come with me and you'll see a sunrise that's unreal. And Oliver says, nothing's felt real to me in a long time. And that's a nice reminder that, like, Oliver is very, uh, Oliver himself is very mentally unstable. Yes. It's easy to, at this point, kind of forget that Oliver was trapped in his cage for however many years and was trapped in his own mind for however many years and can't remember words and comes out and then goes right back into being trapped and he's a lot more placid about being trapped than Lenny was because, like, trappedness is nothing new to him. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right? And nothing has felt real to him for such a long time. And that's why he can be this, he can be fairly, like, detached about, yeah, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> yeah. But uh, also, unlike Lenny, he has mutant abilities, and so he feels like if he's patient, he can defeat the Shadow King, I think. Mm-hmm. That's my theory, at least. Mm-hmm. That he's not lying when he says, I'm going to kill him. No, I don't think he is. And that he's just biding his time and coming up with his own plan. Yep. And then we have the flashback, uh, which is great because it reveals to us at last that the trip to Division 3 was purposeful. I know. I'm so glad because, like, it really felt like, why did they do that? But then we see that they stole something. There was a reason for the trip to Division 3. Mm-hmm. And they dig up the body. And when the, the coffin comes up and the body opens, what does Farouk say? When the coffin opens and the arm comes out... Farouk says, there she is. Yeah. And if you're paying attention, you no longer, that's not a clue anymore. Now, if you're paying attention, you know for sure that that body is not Farouk's body. Yeah. Yeah. Because he says she. And if you're paying attention, it's pretty not that big a leap that that must be Lenny's body. Mm-hmm. Right. I didn't think that on first watching at this point. I thought it was the body that they put her in. Hmm. Right. They dug up a corpse and reanimated it. Yeah, to be Lenny. So back in the room with Lenny, Patonomy talks about the past, the present, and the future. Lenny asks him what color her eyes are because they've changed to blue. Patonomy tries to read her memories and see fla- sees flashes of, a, of childhood and sunflowers breaking in a vase. Then the black thing crawls in his ear and he sees Fukuyama inside of his basket is a black bird head or something. 
Ptolemy comes to, and he's choking Lenny against a wall. Disturbed, he leaves. And that's where I'm going to end this part for now. The... What? Right. <laughs> yeah. So, no past... No, sorry. Past and present, but no future is where no. Ptolemy lands. No, Past sorry. and future, but no present. Past and future, but no present is where Ptolemy lands in this discussion. So, like... My first thing, okay, I like a lot what Ptolemy is saying, and actually I think it makes a lot of sense, despite making no sense. Like, there isn't really a present, uh, except as the point where past and future meet, and it's so fleeting. And my question, though, is... What does this conversation have to do with anything? And part of it happens over top of us seeing Lenny, us seeing Oliver and Farouk in the desert. Yeah. He talks about light and then they they kind of disappear. Into like the headlights of the car, but the visual effect is them fading away into light. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we have... uh, Autonomy voiceovering over the like them walking away from the body saying the past and the present or the past and the future exist, but the present I'm not so sure of. Like, well, I think it's a statement on the episode that the episode is either in the past or in the future. It's not in the, about the present. He's talking to Lenny right now, but this is not the present. This is the future from where we're, where the rest of the episode is and where the rest of the episode is the past. And he even says the words, it's not now. Yep. Which is like, spell it out for us. Say explicitly you, what you are watching isn't now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think totally one of the reasons. Yeah. I buy that is it's show it's, explaining to the audience anyone who's willing to hear what he's explaining that this is an episode where the time frames don't all match up with each other yep it's also just a bit of a mind trip like the past exists the future exists but the present doesn't uh is one of those things that is like possibly true and because it's possibly true it really makes you feel unstable about how you perceive the universe. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm still, though... I don't know. I still feel like there's more to it than I'm seeing. Like, is that it? Is it just to mark to the audience that the time pa- happening isn't the time that we're seeing? I don't know. I think it's also something... says something about Potonomy's character. It says something about his powers and his life. And... It's just all pieces of the puzzle. Yeah. And it comes back to he likes to see think he's a time traveler. Mm-hmm. The present is the time that Ptolemy not only uh, doesn't believe in philosophically, but also emotionally is the time that he doesn't isn't invested in. Yeah, exactly. The present. That makes me more satisfied. Having a bit of a character reason for him to say that mm-hmm. makes me happier. Yeah. <laughs> and then... Autonomy says the the whole I thing. Yeah. 
I noticed that Aubrey Plaza looked weird. Yeah. I couldn't put my finger on what it was, mm-hmm. but she's wearing like these, wearing contacts or maybe digitally changing it, knowing what I know about. It looks like blue contacts to me. And knowing what I know about Legion, they use digital effects as little as they can. Mm-hmm. She looks weird. Yep. Uh, so what, like, and then he asks, whose body is that? And the question is, here and later on, like, the question that I have about the eyes is, like, is that a limit of the technology of the device? Or is that a breadcrumb that Farouk is leaving to provoke David and the other Division Three people? Oh, I think it's a breadcrumb. Yeah. I think it's... He wants David to look and see his sister's eyes and freak out. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely what I think. I think so, too. And then Patonomy tries to read Lenny's memory and it, like, does not go well. Nope. And one of the things he sees, and you said it in your recap, you drew attention to it. One of the things he sees is falling sunflowers. Mm-hmm. Why... Is that significant? Well, he sees the flash of later on in the episode when Amy yeah. is being killed. Yeah. Like, I, this is one of these things that you don't notice or understand the first time, but on a second and third watching, like, who has sunflowers? Later on, near the end of the episode, Amy is putting sunflowers in a vase and they crash. And so he sees in Lenny's memory, Amy's memory of being like attacked by the shadow king yep that's what he's seeing with those sunflowers crashing and he sees the door opening where ben's body was or yeah the the dust yeah the dust that's gonna come up later and like it's yeah it's hints about what's gonna happen Mm-hmm. but also he sees the grandmother and the soda and the vodka and the soda can thing which is it seems to be actual Lenny's memories. And so it's like this weird intersection. Is Amy there too? Is Amy trapped like a consciousness inside Lenny now? I would like Amy to be trapped there instead of just killed. Yeah. I agree. I would like that as well. I mean, then later on in the episode Lenny's going to say about that memory about the grandmother Lenny's going to say like I don't know which of are any of my memories real yeah exactly and so we see and David's going to say I can't tell the difference between Farouk's thoughts and yours mm-hmm. so we see that definitely in Lenny's head there are Amy's memories and there are Lenny's memories and are Lenny's memories actually Lenny's memories or are they implanted? Is the story of drinking vodka from a soda can when she was nine just a sad story that Farouk planted in there to give her character more uh, pathos? She doesn't know. Hmm. Well, uh, we'll get to this later, but I have yeah. some theories about when he, she talks to David. Okay. So let's hold off then. So let's hold off a little bit then. Um, what is... Okay, so we see the thing crawling in Potomac's ear again. Mm-hmm. We, it's the exact same shot. It's like we see a glimpse of the past when he had it crawling on his ear. Mm-hmm. Or is him doing this to Lenny what causes that thing to crawl on his ear in the first place? Was that never the past? Was that never the past? Was that never what put him into the maze? 
But uh, I don't. It's like it's like the past and the future are all messed up in these this whole season. And it's Is not that, just it's a not matter a of line. flashbacks. No, it's a matter of what happens later affects what happens earlier. Exactly. Hmm. So I don't think like I think the black thing went into his ear at that point, like before he went into the maze, because uh, Carrie saw the black goo in his mind and everything but i have a theory about that what caused that was him reading lenny's mind and it just works time is this weird non-linear thing and the question just to be clear like we're wondering whether the show is showing us things out of order or whether things are happening out of order yes and you think they're happening out of order? i think they're happening out of order yeah I definitely don't think that the show showed us that out of order. Mm-hmm. So if this is what caused it, then it's happening out of order. Ooh, I like that, though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Fukuyama, so inside the basket, is that the, like, the weird oil bird bad idea thing? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's bigger than we've seen it, but... I think that's the same thing. I think Fukuyama inside his head is a delusional idea. And I don't know. My question after watching that is, is Batonomy seeing true something true about Fukuyama and about the world? Or are we just seeing the effects of Batonomy's delusion? Whoa. <laughs> I don't know. I assumed that was what was real, but of course, I mean, not literally real, but, but it could be just what he sees. Like, did that moment tell us, the viewers, something about Fukuyama or something about Patonomy or both or neither? (laughs) (laughs) Those are all the options that it could be. I'm going to go on a limb. It tells us and say it tells us about Fukuyama. And that there's something wrong with him. I'm leaning that way too. And if we didn't have, again, to jump ahead in the episode a bit, if we didn't have that weird connection of Amy with the Vermilion, mm-hmm. I would be more inclined to say, like, this is some, something about Ptolemy's, like, paranoia and delusion, and he's seeing delusion everywhere because that's how it spreads. And it's not actually telling us something about Fukuyama. But we come back again in this episode to there's stuff about Fukuyama that we have not worked out yet. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right? I don't know if like if you took the basket off his head, would that be that black thing be what was literally underneath? Uh, I don't think so. But it, I'm neither do I. But it's like representative of there's a delusion or a bad idea under there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then Patanami chokes Lenny, and just like the thing with the what's under the basket, my question about Patanami choking Lenny is, is he choking Lenny because he believes her to be responsible for his delusion? And if he does, is that correct or not? Or is it the choking a symptom of that delusion? I felt like it was a symptom because he, it felt like he kind of came into himself and realized that he wasn't, that he was doing that. Yeah. Then why, 
And then that brings me back again to like the delusion is that an aspect of the Shadow King because the Shadow King does not want Lenny killed because he put her there to antagonize David. Hmm. Right. So it seems like Potonomy choking Lenny is counter to Lenny and the Shadow King's like plan. Oh yeah, I don't think he's infected by anything to do with the Shadow King. Yeah, neither do I. There's like a whole different thing. Yeah. Just, just saying that. <laughs> okay, carry on. Yep. Um, again, with John Hamm's narration, comes up the title card, Chapter 6, Conspiracy. He says that humans like patterns and seeing things hiding. When we encounter coincidence, we see conspiracy. In the desert, Oliver and Farouk watch as a series of miners emerge from the ground and go to a mobile submarine called Dead Sea Donuts. They discuss morality. Farouk says that mutants are homo superior. Oliver gets a brief vision of Melanie and tells Farouk he's going to kill him someday. They drive away following the submarine. So the narrator is, or John Hamm, for lack of a better word, John Hamm section in this episode. We didn't have a John Hamm section in the last episode, and here he's back again. Nice to hear your voice again, John. We're on a first name basis. Um, This is again, I think, your uh, theory or your emphasis on like putting madness in the on the hands or on the viewer that like conspiracy coincidence, you see coincidences and you interpret them as conspiracies. You're reading meaning into things that don't have meaning. You, the viewers are reading meaning into things that are just coincidences Yeah, in this episode of television that you're watching right now. And if you think that there's a deep meaning behind everything, you're the one adding it. Yeah, exactly. And I'm totally fine with that. Yeah, totally. Because I know that some things are going to stick and some things aren't. Yep. And I mean, this is something we talked about. We've talked about a couple of times before, but the nature of surreal art is you do add your own meaning. Uh, That doesn't mean it isn't there. Yes. But then when the show insists on uh, there isn't conspiracy, it conspiracy is you and, you know, making something of, coincidences that aren't really there uh is just another layer of the surreal experience of the show Mm -hmm. uh in this little section uh there's a bit of a fargo connection yeah because we have the snake in the grass and that the that part of why we see patterns is so that we can recognize enemies and in fargo they have this whole part where why do humans see more shades of green than the other? And it's because so we can see the snake in the grass mm-hmm. and we see a snake in this scene hiding in the trees and we can see it because it's a different shade of green. And later on after this, Farouk will call Oliver a snake and yeah. Farouk sees that he sees that Oliver is the snake. And it's interesting, yeah, it's interesting that Fruit calls Oliver a snake because it's accurate that Oliver is his enemy, but it also 
coming back again to who's a villain and who's not, it casts Oliver as a villain rather than just an enemy. Mm-hmm. And that's just an interesting dialogue choice. Mm-hmm. What do we think of the... What do we think of the pessimist optimist part of this narration? So like the pessimist will see everything as a threat and the optimist will see everyone as a friend. I feel like that's Clark versus David. Hmm. A little bit. What it's a mean? lot of things, but I think that Clark definitely sees Lenny as an enemy, as a Trojan horse, as a she has come to be the Shadow King. And David is the optimist who sees her as she's come back. She's, uh, at, well, definitely at first, he's kind of excited to see her. Mm-hmm. And he sees it as a positive thing. He doesn't see the trick. There's also a bit about the optimist-pessimist statement here is like... Uh, Again, putting an emphasis on the importance of interpretation, that the same events are interpreted by the interpreter to mean very different things. Mm -hmm. And so meaning is in the hands of the viewer, not in the hands of the creator. Like Again, as a statement on the TV show, the optimist sees everything as a friend and the pessimist sees everything as a threat is also an artistic statement of uh, I'm putting stuff up on the screen and you experience it and how you interpret it is your, like what it means is the interpreter's job. Hmm. You know? Good call. Yeah. These parts where like it's talking to the audience is definitely actually talking to the audience. Yeah, I think so. It's like, this is how you interpret this show. And I still think, like, I still wouldn't put it past them to pull the rug out from under us and have us reveal that John Hamm has been speaking to a character all along. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I don't think so either at this point. I don't think it, I'm not saying it's impossible, but I don't think that is about to happen. Mm-hmm. And then we have, like... Coincidence and conspiracy. And like the title of the section is conspiracy, but all the talk that we have is actually about how there aren't conspiracies, about how mm-hmm. there are coincidences. There are coincidences. Uh, and the question comes, what in this episode, what in this show is a coincidence and what is a conspiracy? I think we just don't know until the end. Yep. And that's why it's fun to figure things out. Yep. So in the desert, we have this... Dead Sea Donuts submarine thing. (laughs) And it's got a symbol on it that's two Ds, double D. And uh, it's very reminiscent of the cheerleading uniforms with the quadruple G. Mm -hmm. David's singlet with the single D. Mm -hmm. We have yet to see a triple D, as far as I know. I haven't noticed one. But I feel like now I'm really going to be looking for one. Yes. Because what is with all these Ds? What is the deal? It is just a coincidence. It's just a coincidence. There's no conspiracy behind all the Ds. 
it's a coincidence that everything starts with D. Or is it a conspiracy? <laughs> I think it's definitely a conspiracy. Because although in a work of art, in a TV show, there may be things that don't have meaning intended, everything is controlled by a creating controller. Yep. By a creator. Uh, and everything has meaning for that because of that, even if it's not conscious meaning. Yep. And I think it is a kind of a, it does have a conscious meaning. I don't know what it is yet, though. Mm-hmm. There's lots of Ds. There's lots of Ds. <laughs> <laughs> it's just kind of a cool thing to notice, too, which I appreciate. Speaking of coincidences, we have the submarine. Remember Oliver in his diving suit? Oh, yeah. So, yep. again, like, this weird coincidental connection between Oliver and what he's seeing. Mm-hmm. Why a submarine donut shop? That makes no sense. <laughs> I, no. Mean, I guess it's themed, whatever. But like, because it's a connection to Oliver and the diving suit, I think. It's the desert that used to be a valley, and so it's used to be a sea. Anyway, doesn't matter. Anything that used to be a valley was a sea or a lake at some point? Yeah. Yeah? Just I don't know, it's like hinting that... This is the valley. This is the desert where Farouk is buried. And all the men coming out of the ground, like that just as an image, the visual of flat ground and a bunch of men coming out of it to a submarine that's above the ground. Yes. I don't have a great big uh, interpretive meaning of it, but it's a really striking image. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't really know what to make of the miners, to be honest, at all. Yep. If you do, let us know. Then Oliver and Farouk have a conversation about morality. And we have here, this is like, in this whole season, the moment when Oliver seems most to me like Oliver from his ice cube. Mm-hmm. Like distracted and he loses the thread of what he's talking about and the, he uses the wrong word. Maybe the idea of life is obscene. Or not obscene. Irrelevant. Like that's so much like what Oliver is like in his ice cube. And then Farouk explains to Oliver that the morality is not a problem because Homo Superior can do whatever he wants to Homo Sapiens. But Oliver has just explained to Farouk why the morality doesn't bother him. So who is Farouk trying to persuade? Right? Right. Farouk says, does the morality bother you? Oliver says, boil it down to, not really. Yeah. <laughs> Life doesn't matter. Molecules are molecules. Flash. I mean, not in this conversation, but go back a little bit to him saying, nothing feels real to me anyway. Mm-hmm. And then Farouk says, don't worry about the morality. We are like a lion and stalking a deer. And like, well, Oliver just said he didn't care. So who were you trying to persuade, man? Yeah. Except when he says we're homo superior, that's that's what, what triggers Oliver to be like, wait, Melanie. Yeah. He she's not homo superior and I she's important to me. Exactly. So like I think that Farouk is trying to persuade himself. Mm-hmm. Uh and miscalculates. And that's where Oliver flashes to Melanie, and that's where also he says, I'm going to kill you. And, like, was he planning on killing Farouk before then? 
probably, maybe, but it, like, reminds him of it. Yeah. I don't know. Is that the weakness, maybe? We aren't at the scene yet, but mm-hmm. Oliver's going to say, you're more powerful than I am, maybe, but I've discovered your weakness. I'm just thinking that, like, if that's the moment when he decides to kill him, is that because he's discovered the weakness, and is the weakness Melanie? Somehow? People who are like Melanie? Hmm. Maybe Farouk's weakness is... I have a theory about Farouk's weakness, but we should talk about it when we get no, to we the get hint. There. You're right. I was distracted by... He's like, like a lion with a deer... Like a mantis with a hummingbird. And I was like, a mantis with a hummingbird? But sure enough, there are images on the internet of praying mantises killing hummingbirds. Praying mantises really kill hummingbirds? Yeah, that threw me a bit too. Yep. So I felt like he was like making something up. But no, nope, that's just a real (laughs) thing. Super gross, by the way. It's the kind of thing that you should make up in conversation. Like a lion with a deer. Like a mantis with a hummingbird. Like a spider with a chihuahua. (laughs) (laughs) Well, them big spiders could probably kill a chihuahua. Yeah. Or like poisonous chihuahua. (laughs) Yeah, bird-eating spiders. We're getting off track a little bit. A little bit. So should we continue with the recap? Yes. Back in the confusing room (laughs) david appears across from lenny he questions her about her life and offers her twizzlers he protects her mind but she still has no information to tell him beyond farouk knows where his body is he tries to read her mind and suddenly gets a flash of his own childhood with amy lenny doesn't know whose body she's in back in the desert the submarine arrives at a house guarded by armed men. Oliver and Farouk sit outside, and Oliver gives one hint about how he'll kill Farouk. In Back in the room, Lenny still doesn't know how she got there, and we see her bloodied and naked waking in the desert. All right. Well, first of all, you said in your recap that David appears, and that's accurate. Yeah, he straight up appears. We see the empty chair. And then the camera focuses on Lenny and then David is there and the door hasn't opened. Uh, He wasn't there before and he is. So he appears at the end of his interrogation of Lenny. He's like banging on the door to get out. So he can't teleport away apparently or doesn't want to or is too upset to. Yeah, I think he's just too upset to. But like we've seen David teleport before. I don't think we've ever seen him teleport deliberately. Um, Well, calm up to the up to the. Roof with the monk. Yeah. Uh, And away from the Shadow King at the end. Oh, yeah. Right. But it's usually like in a moment of extreme stress. It usually is in a moment of extreme death. When I say deliberately, I suppose, what I really mean is in cold blood. Yes, exactly. Just like to get around. Yep. Which he could be. He could. He doesn't. Didn't necessarily teleport. It could be that like Lenny fell asleep and woke up and he's there. Yeah. But it feels very much like he's teleported. And this whole scene, the shadows, like really make David look creepy and malevolent. Mm. Like they're on half his face and his like smile 
a lot of the time on this show, David plays so innocent, wide-eyed. He's not wide-eyed in this scene. No. He's he's talking to his friend Lenny from the hospital. Yeah. Is the thing. He wasn't really wide-eyed in those hospital days. Wasn't he, though? He was. I guess he was. But he also, like... I don't know. It's with Benny that he wasn't wide-eyed. That we thought at the time was Lenny. But in the hospital, he was still pretty, like... Right. Wide-eyed and naive in his affect. Mm Mm-hmm. Good point. Anyway, he asked this series of questions of Lenny. And I felt like... And maybe it was just him reading her mind. But I felt like these are things that... They talked about Hmm. the stories that he knew already from her life because Lenny, as we knew her in the hospital, was a big talker. Yep. Would, would have told all of these stories, the story of, of her grandmother. If that's a real story from Lenny's life, David knows it. With the Rondo citrus soda. The Rondo citrus soda. And so that's why he's, he's saying all these things like, did you date men? He already knows the answer. He Hmm. wants her to say it to prove that she's Lenny. Yeah. And he offer and offering her Twizzlers and just so many things that he does of like, hey, we're old friends. Tell me about these things that you've told me before. And is it a test or is it a opportunity? You know, like mm. is he trying to trip her up or is he trying to give her a chance to connect to him? You know, I what think I mean? it's a test. I think it's he's testing to see whether it's really her. Yeah. Yeah, me too. And we have, this is where Lenny says, like, these memories, did that really happen? Mm -hmm. Lenny right now is like David in season one, where she remembers things, but she doesn't know if she can trust that that's really what happened. Right? Yeah, absolutely. That's a good call. And the image of her and Oliver being stored by, through, like, drawers in a morgue. Mm Mm-hmm. That's an unsettling image. Very unsettling. And we talk about clockworks again, which always makes me happy. We get a shout out on the show again. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> there's uh, Speaking of kind of the visuals of this scene, you mentioned the shadows. There's a big like two on the wall that's upside down. Mm-hmm. But the shot of Lenny with like the curve of the two behind her looks like a black halo. Interesting. And so I felt like that was like... Uh, juxtaposition to David so frequently having a white halo above him. Yep. And here we have Lenny with a black halo. Interesting. I mean, maybe I'm just seeing things, but it was a very dark shadow above her head. Very dark circular shadow. So when we're back to the Shadow King and Oliver talking, uh, and Farouk says, like, your thing about wanting to kill me, you've been in the sun too long. And then they talk about uh, how Farouk is more powerful. The Shadow King is more powerful than Oliver and Oliver doesn't argue. And we saw that back in the Ice Cube. Oliver is like, I can't fight Farouk. He's more powerful than me. So that's not new information. Uh, And Oliver doesn't dispute it. But he says he's found Farouk's weakness. And Farouk says, you know, can I have a hint? Yes, you may have a hint. What is one plus one? 
Kirk says two and Oliver says no. Why is that a hint? What is that a hint towards? What is the weakness that Oliver has discovered in Farouk? It could be a lot of things. <laughs> it could be a lot of things. So my theory at this point is uh, it kind of goes back to something that the Shadow King said to David back in season one. That like, you ever make soup? You ever try to unmake soup? You put me in your head. How many of us are there? One or two? One? Farouk, one? Plus Oliver, one? Does that equal two? No, it only equals one. So Oliver can hurt Farouk by hurting himself. Hmm. He's going to kill Farouk and die in the process because they're soup now. Hmm. That's my theory. That is an excellent theory. And that's where one plus one does not equal two. It still is only one. I'm going to just go ahead and agree with that theory. But I have a separate, more outlandish theory, which is one plus one equals many. Okay. Is that Oliver started some Summerland with just him and Melanie. Mm-hmm. It's where the Melanie connection comes in. Mm-hmm. That it was one plus one. And then that led to many. It led to a huge community. And Farouk is just alone. Mm. They can stop him because they have so many. But I think it's a weaker one than yours. I think yours is a better, better theory. All right. But well, if we'll... you can come up with that, the Shadow King can, because he's really smart. So I don't know why. Why did Oliver give him the hint at the first but place? But Jan, but Jan. What? You're not saying he's smarter than me. Well, he's certainly more uh, powerful. <laughs> no question. No disagreement. <laughs> about that my psychic powers are like sadly lacking he speaks more languages maybe close maybe. <laughs> no definitely he does because he speaks english french german and then others that i don't know true enough david's sister amy is at her sink arranging flowers she's inside the house in a desert she talks to ben about her dream in which she was vermilion Ben has a sense of dread, just as the windmills outside their windows stop turning. The doorbell rings, and Ben goes to answer, but when Amy checks, he's just dust. Mm. Oliver is in the house. Back in the room, David tells Lenny that her body was buried in the desert, and they think they found her body. Amy is forced onto a table, screaming, and Oliver uses the device to turn Amy into Lenny. David freaks out, and Lenny comforts him. In his mind, he hears Farouk laugh, and David says, I'm coming for you. Bum, bum, bum. So basically, the second that that flash appeared where we saw David's childhood, Mm-hmm. The first time we watched this, both you and I started freaking out because it's Amy's body. Yeah. So, like, that's... You kind of know. And then there's the hint of the cupcake. I I didn't mention that in the recap, but in between scenes, there's the the cupcake she brings him in the hospital with the the, uh, sparkler Mm -hmm. burning down the candle on it. And then we see Amy, and you just know... 
That's the body. And that's why they were following around the donut truck and all the pieces come together. But yeah, it was the moment of the flash of David's childhood. We both on the couch watching it the first time. We're like, (gasps) yeah, exactly. Especially we had a tiny bit of meta information in that because we've been asking, you know, where is Amy? Why is David not even asking about Amy? Where is she? Katie Azelton on Twitter said that she would be in this season because we were questioning, like, is she actually going to be there? So we knew that she was going to come eventually, but, like, to have her come like this was just bananas. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's talk about the actual scene that she's in. Yeah. And the first thing is, what is up with the sunflowers? Why sunflowers? Like, are they... Significant. They're yellow. Mm-hmm. They're representative of growth and life, like Amy always is. Mm-hmm. Just she could be doing a lot of things. She's arranging sunflowers specifically. Hmm. I think that they're a. I think I like your the representative of growth and life. When it comes to flowers, sunflowers are not uh, beautiful. I mean, they're they're a kind of beautiful, but they're not the uh, iconography of beauty. Hmm. They're an iconography of like growth and fertility and life and all those kinds of things more. I thought of Van Gogh's sunflowers. So did I. And I thought of like carving up a body. Like Van Gogh cut off his ear. Yeah. Yep. Makes sense. Why? Okay. Um, Also, like, uh, Amy has stepped a decade forward in terms of her fashion. Absolutely. Yep. She still looks like she's not in the present. No. But she doesn't look like she's in the 50s, 60s anymore. She now looks like she's in the 70s, 80s. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Her makeup is very different. Her clothing is very different. Her hair is very, very different. Her hair is very different. Yep. She had like that bouffant doll before. Mm. It was quite different from that. And then she, Ben, her husband, who I think is uh, the same character, although he's been recast, right? Yeah, it's a different actor, but it's, yeah, it's the same character. It just happens to be a different actor, I think. Um comes in she says she had that dream again but during the day this time and he says you had a nap and she's yeah so like she definitely did not have a nap no so she's having dreams during the day which like okay call them dreams i guess dreams while she's awake during the day that she's vermilion Mm-hmm. yeah what it's what exactly what what is that all about that's again, like, we're, we're once again to, there are weird doings of transpiring that are not the Shadow King. I feel like Amy dreaming that she's Vermilion is not the Shadow King. No, I That's don't think so That's a different either. something. And is it Fukuyama? Where do the, like, uh, it makes me suddenly think, where do Vermilions come from? Because Patonomy thinks that they're synthetic, 
But he says, I remember now, they're synthetic, I think. Also, what was that device for in the first place? Yeah. But to maybe make for millions. Maybe. But it wasn't just, so like, does Fukuyama somehow abduct women and turn them into vermilions? Uh, but then, like, that doesn't really make sense because she's not, she's dreaming of things that have happened with Fukuyama, word for word. And now we are this. She's connected with David. Yeah. That's a moment where David is talking to Fukuyama. Hmm. Is she is David in her mind making her see these things? So it's because of her connection with David that she's dreaming of Vermilion, not because of anything that Fukuyama is doing. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I could see it. She's seeing things that David is seeing. Hmm. I still question, we never saw David ask about her at all. I know. Which was weird. It's like he suddenly in this episode remembered that she existed. I know. Are we going to see just like him in the, just like Oliver and Lenny's trip to Division 3? Are we going to see a flashback where something happened that we weren't shown when it happened? Mm -hmm. Well, and why are Amy and Ben living in the desert with armed guards? Armed guards is obviously Division 3. Yeah. They're living on, like, a windmill turbine place, which, like, no one would live there. Yeah. It was a deeply uncomfortable room. <laughs> yes. Like, those, those const- that constant spinning and constant flashing of light in that room, it was <laughs> deeply uncomfortable, and it was meant to be. Yeah. And so, like, why are they living there? Why are, like, they're being protected Mm-hmm. Because of the Shadow King, I guess. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't... It's really unclear. I would like to know more about what happened there. What happened in that interim year with Amy. Yeah. she's. I think it's absolutely clear that she's under Division 3's protection to some degree. And it, presumably against the Shadow King. Although, clearly, ineffectually. Like, yeah, there are a lot of questions surrounding Amy and what they're doing there. About the room and how uncomfortable it is, I totally agree. But I also want to add, in terms of making a TV show, how completely effective it is to have this these fans that never stop and then suddenly stop. Yeah. Like, you feel that absence. You feel that silence. And I want to connect that, by the way to the line that David says about, I never knew what silence was until the Shadow King went away. Right. That Amy's living in this room where there's no silence and suddenly there's silence and it's very unsettling. Mm-hmm. Good and call to connect those things. Thank you. Speaking of why did things happen, why is Lenny's body buried in the desert? Why did the clockworks take her to the desert and bury her? Like, I don't quite understand. Was it to, like, sense, hide what happened? I got the sense that Clockworks is not a very good mental hospital. No. <laughs> you don't say. I'm starting to suspect that they're not entirely on the up and up. 
yeah, this, this, I mean, like, those of you who live near the desert, uh, this doesn't seem normal. Burying people in the desert. I feel like that's, like, burying someone in the desert is, like, code for I murdered them. Yeah. And I'm getting rid of the body. Yeah. Not for, like, she was given a pauper's burial yeah. in a grave, you know? Absolutely. But she was in a coffin. She was in a coffin. So maybe, I don't know. It's not really that important to dwell on. It just struck me as very odd. And why would David know that anyway? Where they buried Lenny? Yeah. I guess at some point he looked into it. I guess. He's he's a little vague on it. Mm. Which I would imagine he would be. And we have Oliver singing happy birthday exactly like Amy did. And it's like a flashback. It's both he's singing happy birthday because Amy was just singing happy birthday in the flashback that we saw. And it's also he's singing happy birthday because he's about to uh, give birth to Lenny. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. Uh, And how incredibly creepy is in the most wonderfully understated way. Oliver just standing there with his hands up like a surgeon. Yeah. Like, I'm washing my hands, and I'm just going to hold them up. Yep. So creepy and unnerving. Mm-hmm. And I said, like, a surgeon without even really getting until I heard myself say the words what it means, that he's about yeah. to perform surgery on He, he really is. Yeah. He literally surgery. is. Yep. Right. This is really creepy anyway, but now recognizing that he actually is about to do uh, surgery that she doesn't want on her. Yeah. So while they, he uses a device to change her and then the shadow King is there. Farouk is there Mm -hmm. behind like a beaded curtain. Yeah. Which has been there all along. Like there's a beaded entrance to their, who knows where some other place in their house. But it looks like he's in a basket. It really does. It really connects him to Fukuyama. Which, again, makes us really suspicious of Fukuyama, whether that's a, whether we should be or not. We are. Or I am. Yeah. But right? then also, there's a part of me that's like, well, is it conspiracy or is it coincidence? Exactly. <laughs> is it a conspiracy that he has, he's like in a basket-like place or just, just happens to be a beaded curtain here? Yeah. And if there's this connection between the Shadow King and Fukuyama, is that because Fukuyama is like the good Shadow King? Uh, you know? I guess. That is, you can connect two characters in a show by making them uh, mirror images of each other. Mm -hmm. So they're like each other, but battling each other. Yeah. Or you can connect them by making them uh, allies. And I'm not sure what we're doing where you suspect and are uncomfortable with Fukuyama because of the black rotten bird inside his head. And we also are suspicious of him because the way that Amy is connected to Vermilions makes him seem suspicious. Mm-hmm. We also, he's not entirely, uh, I mean, he's ostensibly an ally of David's, but he's not 
our protagonist throughout the show is David and Fukuyama's goals do not totally align with David. So we're not on board with Fukuyama and what he wants out of the world. And yep. He was going to kill Oliver and he wants to like, so all throughout Fukuyama is not entirely a good guy mm-hmm. to us, the viewers, because we're so connected to David and also because he's just not. Yeah. But all of that is not quite the same as, uh, maybe he's in league with the Shadow King, which the Shadow King being under a basket creates this connection in terms of imagery that makes us me think for the first time that maybe Fukuyama and the Shadow King are not actually uh, antagonistic to each other, mirror images, characters who are, you know, waged in a chess game against each other. Maybe they're actually the same in mm. an important way. Interesting. You know? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> and we end with David freaking out when he realizes what has happened. Mm-hmm. And he says to Farouk, I'm coming for you. Yeah. And this was all basically a plot to get into his head. Yeah. It's kind of the conclusion we come to. Was this is all just a part of the pl- the beauty of his plan was messing with David. Yep. But was it wise? Is David stronger than him? That He's, is the question. I think that's going to be the question overall, is is David stronger than him? And it felt like in the past, when he was living in David's head for a lot of the time, he didn't want to directly antagonize David. He fed off of him. But now he is believes that he's strong again. Mm-hmm. David, but Professor X killed, I mean, Professor X defeated him. So if I was the Shadow King, I would have reason to be a little trepidatious. Yep. I want to talk about, just for a second before, I want to talk about stories told and uh, songs sung. Mm-hmm. But before we do, there's a central image throughout this episode, which is the sun. Mm. And I kind of didn't push on it when we were talking about sunflowers, but we have the Shadow King talks about what a god does is make the sun rise. You're going to see the sun. Here's the sun. The sun is rising. He's the Shadow King, Mm. which is always important that the word shadow, he's talking about light and dark and the shadow, but he's the one who makes the sun. And then that sun also makes the shadows. And then when Oliver says he's going to kill him, he says, you've been in the sun too much. Hmm. I'm going to make the sun rise. I am the sun. I'm the cause of the sun. And then, uh, Amy has got these sunflowers. And then what is like, the sun is an important motif an image through this whole episode and I'm not totally sure what to make of it, but we're really pushing on the sun in this episode. Mm-hmm. And the shadow King is, uh, is also associated with like warmth and warm places and the, you know, he's from a warm climate and he's mm-hmm. warm, you know? Yep. And what creates shadow, but light. Yeah, Exactly. The Shadow King, we might want to assume that the Shadow King is associated with darkness, but he's not the Dark King. He's the Shadow King. Mm -hmm. That is associated with light more than darkness, really. Shadows. You don't have shadows without a light source. Mm -hmm. 
He wants to be that powerful. He wants to be a god. Yep. So powerful he can make the sunrise. Yep. So he is in these little ways. Yeah. And the sun is, uh, in the way that Farouk talks about it, the sun is shorthand for the beauty that God creates. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so his plan, the beauty of, that he creates is manipulate is like effing with David's head. Yeah. Yeah. And I just wanted to note that image as important through the episode. I'm not sure. I feel like I still have not uh, teased it out fully. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure that I can at the, without giving it even more thought. I don't know. Maybe even I can't at all. <laughs> There's something going on there, though. There's something more there. I mean, this is what we do in this show, though. We point <laughs> we point to things. We don't necessarily figure things out to their solid end. Because That's maybe true. they don't have one. And if you have thoughts about the sun in this episode, let us know. Mm-hmm. So we've had, throughout this series, uh, characters sometimes tell stories. Uh, in this season, we have not had it quite as much as in the first season, this way of like someone asks a question and the response is a story that seems unconnected to the question. Which is a Noah Hawley trademark. But we get it in this episode, especially uh, Clark asks, how did you escape? And Lenny says, my grand-grand used to drink Rondo Citrus Soda and by Rondo Citrus Soda, I mean vodka in a Rondo Citrus Soda can. And then she tells that whole story. And I think uh, the meaning of that story is partly to try to have us have sympathy with Lenny. But the real meaning of that story is vodka in a Rondo Citrus Soda can. The outside is not what's inside. Mm -hmm. What it is marked as, what it is labeled as, is not what's really inside there. Yep. And that's what Lenny is. She's vodka in a Rondo Citrus Soda can. Hmm. Uh, and that's both that she's not in her own body. She's in Amy's body. And it's also that she's the shadow King is still there. Yeah, exactly. When Oliver, when Farouk asks Oliver, does it bother you? The morality of this Oliver says this molecules of this car were once an exploding star, which destroyed all the life everywhere around or did it? Right? Uh, he tells a story about exploding stars in response to a question about morality, and he explains what that story means, but it also is a story about perspective. Right? Mm hmm. And it's a story that reminds the characters, but also reminds us as viewers to pay attention to perspective, to pay attention to who we're, who we're seeing things through. And when and why and where we're focusing and why. I also think, uh, like when we're talking about the imagery of the sun, and Farouk talk, then Oliver talks about an exploding star. Hmm. I'm not sure exactly what to make of that, but that's also a thing. 
And then we have the songs. Tell me about the songs in this episode, Paul. Well, Lenny is trapped in the room, and then we transition through, like, the cityscape and the floorboard turns into overhead of the driving car. The song is uh, Heroin by Velvet Underground. And it starts while Lenny's in the room, and then it's also playing on the radio in the car as uh, Oliver and Farouk are driving along. And the song goes, I don't know just where I'm going, the lyrics, relevant lyrics. I don't know just where I'm going, but I'm going to try for the kingdom if I can. Because it makes me feel like I'm a man when I put a spike into my vein and I tell you things aren't quite the same. When I'm rushing on my run and I feel just like Jesus, son, and I guess that I just don't know. I guess that I just don't know. And the song goes on, uh, but we, what we hear of the song ends there. I mean, the kingdom part is pretty significant for a shadow king. We thought we were going to try for the kingdom and we see the shadow king, like at that moment in the lyrics. Mm. And we also, there's a real uh, idea in the song of like, I do things that harm me because it makes me feel like a man. Mm. And we have in the rest of the episode, we have like the shadow king is messing with David's mind. And is it maybe a bad idea? Mm-hmm. Uh, but he does it because it makes him feel like a man. Um, we have the idea of the shadow king thinks that he's a God and wants to be a God. And the lyrics here say, I feel just like Jesus's son, which the meaning in the, song i feel like jesus son does not mean like i feel like i'm accepted by like it specifically is like i feel like i'm all powerful Mm -hmm. right and that's what we have in farouk and then the repeated like i guess i don't know i don't know i don't know where i'm going i don't know i feel like that is about the audience experience yeah we don't know where we are and where we're going and what Farouk is doing and who Lenny is. And the song lyrics really emphasize that, that we don't know what's going on. The next song, which is Werewolf by Cat Power, plays while Oliver is digging up Lenny's body. Musically, the opening sounds very like a cowboy song. And I thought that was appropriate for like, in the desert, digging mm-hmm. up a body. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then the lyrics. Uh, I'm not going to read all the lyrics of the song, but some relevant lyrics. Oh, the werewolf, oh, the werewolf, come stepping along. He don't even break the branches where he's gone. I once saw him in the moonlight when the bats were flying. I saw the werewolf and the werewolf was crying. Crying, nobody knows, nobody knows, nobody knows. How I loved the man, how I teared off his clothes. And first of all, a werewolf, much like Rondo Sutrasoda, werewolf is about someone who isn't who they are. Hmm. Right? And that is all about who Lenny is. Is not just for this episode that Lenny has something inside her that isn't what's on outside, but also is kind of a recurring theme of this entire show, that what's on the outside doesn't match what's on the inside, and maybe what's showing on the outside is monstrous, and maybe what's... Uh, Deep inside is monstrous, and all of that makes werewolf a particularly appropriate choice for this show, for this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And then there's also, once again, in Werewolf, as there was in Heroin, this uh, recurring theme of nobody knows, nobody knows, nobody knows, just like in Heroin, I guess I don't know, emphasizing how in this episode we don't know what's going on. And again, that's appropriate for the whole show, not just this episode. And then finally, the last song, over the final credits and in the last moments, and as uh, we're actually seeing Lenny's body being sculpted out of Amy's body. The music playing is Tom Petty's Don't Come Around Here No More, except it is not Tom Petty's version. It is, as we're kind of getting used to this season, a cover by Noah Hawley and Jeff Russo. Noah Hawley's a good singer. He is. They both are. I mean, and it's not surprising with Jeff Russo because singer is on his resume. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) But Noah Hawley, another uh, talent... Uh, which doesn't exactly seem fair. So the lyrics to Don't Come Around Here No More, relevant lyrics, uh, don't come around here no more, whatever you're looking for, don't come around here no more. I've given up, stop, I'm waiting any longer. I've given up on this love getting stronger. Don't come around here no more. I don't feel you anymore. You darkened my door. Whatever you're looking for, don't come around here no more. So there's on one hand, there's several characters in this last moments that we either don't want to or don't expect to come around anymore. So on one hand, this is addressed to the Shadow King, like don't come around anymore. And we can see it on several different here, could be several different places, like don't come around Amy's house anymore. Mm-hmm. He's going to, but it's, you know, the narrative, the music is wishing that he wasn't there. And then also... David has kind of flirted with being, with working with the Shadow King. And this is a no, don't come around here. Don't come expecting me to be your ally anymore. Like I was for a hot minute. Mm -hmm. Uh, And possibly this is even the Shadow King saying that back to him because he knows what the results of this is going to be. Absolutely. And then there's the sense of Amy isn't going to be around anymore. And there's another sense of David was really happy to see Lenny again, but now he's not. Mm-hmm. So all these different senses of someone who possibly was welcome and isn't welcome anymore, or someone who might be welcome but isn't going to come. Mm-hmm. And then we have, with the song Don't Come Around Anymore, we end with I'm Coming For You. Yeah. The lyric, the dialogue from David is I'm Coming For You, which ties into the song Don't Come To Me. I'm coming for you. Yep, he sure is. Man, there's some good songs in this episode. It is. It's really well there done. There are. I mean, there's all, Legion always has good songs, but I felt this, this episode in specific just, it really set the mood. Agreed. Yeah. So if you want to talk to us about this episode or any of the episodes of Legion, uh, the best way to reach us is on Twitter at ClockworksCast. You can send us an email, uh, clockworkscast at gmail.com. We're also on uh, Facebook. We have a subreddit with the Good Stuff Network where you can find us and make comments there. All of those links are in our show notes. Lastly, if you like what we do, you can support us. Uh, shoot us a little bit of money on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash clockworkscast, where you can uh, get a few extra bonus things. We've just ma- reached a Patreon goal, so we're going to do some bonus episodes once this season is done, which we're kind of excited about. So look for those in the future. Um, and even if you're listening to this, you know, 12 years from now, when you've listened, you've 
watched all of Legion and you're listening to our podcast, you know, still still at us. Still make comments. We want to hear what you have to say, even if it's uh, even if it's later when Legion has long since aired. I hope it airs many seasons. All right. Well, thanks for listening. I've been Paul Moffat. I've been Jan Moffat. Goodbye. We're talking this week about Legion Chapter 12, which is the 15. So we're talking this week about Legion Chapter 15, which is the 15. One, three.